Thank you for checking out the Missio Day Humble Park podcast and joining us as we join God as he makes all things new. We are excited to pursue his heart for the greatest city on earth and the center of the city in this great neighborhood of Humble Park. As we're continuing on this journey together through this series, Living with Expectation, Bold Women of Faith in Scripture. Um, David Lucas is going to be speaking next week. Let's give it up for David. Yeah! It's going to be amazing. This is, I'm hoping that as we go through this series, that it continues to raise our level of expectation of what God is going to do as we're beginning to be healed from all the things that we've gone through and we've seen, understanding that he is got so much for us. So how do we connect with the women in scripture who in many times were living in hostile environments just for the fact of being a woman, but also in a hostile environment because it was the ancient world and all the different um, things that were going on around them. And so today we're going to be talking about Rahab. Rahab was considered a harlot or a prostitute in um, the days of Joshua. She played a key role in the children of Israel beginning to take over and conquer nations. Um, I heard someone in nations and cities, I heard someone say, man, I, Joshua is like a dark book to me because there's so much violence in it. And I've always thought of Joshua as this like um, beautiful glimpse of the promises of God. Jesus, Yeshua is also um, translated as Joshua. So in some ways he's a mirror and a reflection um, of what is to come in Jesus. But the story of the children of Israel is them in the wilderness, you know. So they're wandering around 40 years. God is telling them, you're going to take the promised land. You're going to go into the promised land. It's taking forever, as God likes to do. He took a 13-day journey and made it 40 years because they weren't ready to go directly into the promised land and inherit all their promises. They weren't strong enough inside. And eventually, as Moses is coming to the end of his life, they get to a point where they send out spies to check out the land, right? They send out 12. They send out 12 spies to check out the promised land, and Joshua is actually one of them. And him and Caleb are two of the 12 that they send out. They send out 12 people, they go, and um, only two come back with a favorable report. And they come back and report to the whole nation of Israel, and they say, there be giants in the lands, and we're not going to take it, we're just small, we look like grasshoppers, there's no way we're going to have any success in this land. But Joshua and Caleb said, it's surely God has given it to us. So two out of the 12 came back with a favorable report. Fast forward to Moses being disobedient to God. God tells him, you're not going into the promised land. You are going to die in the wilderness. He dies in the wilderness. Joshua ascends into the place of being the leader of Israel. They cross over the Jordan into Jericho, and near Jericho, and then Joshua sends spies into the land himself. He does the same thing that Moses does, but he learns from Moses' mistakes, and he sends only two people in, only two spies, and he sends those two spies in because he knew that only two came back with a favorable report. So that's about as many as you need to find the truth. <laughs> it was ten that said, nah, it's not going to happen. He's like, surely two will be able to find out 
this process. So he sends those two in, and they end up meeting Rahab, who was a harlot or a prostitute at the time. Most likely she ran what was, would be known now as sort of a hostel. So people coming in and going out and staying there um, in a very transactional kind of existence. And she sees the promise of what God is doing in the nation of Israel. And um, I'm going to read this verse. This is in Joshua 2. It is pretty, uh, it's pretty long, so bear with me a second. Um, so the king of Jericho said to Rahab, so after the, the spies, they make their, their self into Rahab's home, she decides to hide them from the king, understanding that God has given them Jericho. She recognizes that a new day is coming. And so the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out all the country. Then a woman took the two men and hid them. So she said, Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And it happened as the gate was being shut, because you would shut the gate in these ancient times um, at sundown, so nobody could go in or out. When it was dark, that the men went out. Where the men went, I do not know. Pursue them quickly, for you may overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hidden them with stalks of flax, which she laid in order on the roof. Then the men pursued them by the road to Jordan to the fjords. And after those who pursued them had gone out, they shut the gate. Now before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there, there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on the earth beneath. Now therefore, I beg you, swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you also will show kindness to my father's house and give me a true token and spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. So the man answered her, our lives for your lives, if none tell the business of ours. And it shall be the one the Lord has given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with you. That she made this bold ask of these men in her home that they would deliver her and her family from what was coming. There's something about being able to see into the future enough to learn from the previous generation. Not only did Joshua learned from the previous generation of Moses and say, look, all right, we're going to have to um, do this a little bit differently when we're sending the spies in. We are not slaves anymore. We have to move a little bit differently when we are exploring land and we're moving in. I feel like there are so many lessons that we refuse to learn from our previous generation. Some of the best things that I, my parents have taught me so much but then they come to a certain point where their, their lessons, they can't teach me anymore. They've given me everything that they've received and sent me out into the world. But I think we continue sometimes to repeat the same mistakes over and over and over again, understanding that God has provided for us a way to continue to go forward, especially in the realm of church. 
that um, our hearts are to pursue God in every way possible, but I think that our need to exert control over people can be a, 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 not a stepping stone, but can make a step back from what God has from us. I think my purpose a lot of times as, as a part of this church is to inspire people to be on fire to pursue a growing relationship with Jesus Christ because that travels well. It tra- travels much well, much better than this church service does or us meeting here as a community that when our hearts are on fire for what Jesus has placed inside of us, that that passion really allows us to go forward in a way that um, we wouldn't be able to before. That a place where we can preach the gospel and understand that God has taken us into a new realm. The name Rahab is the poetic name for Egypt. I spelled that wrong. Sorry about that. Any grammar police out there? (laughs) Rahab is the poetic name of Egypt, which is interesting that Rahab in her home is sheltering these spies from scrutiny. And also Egypt sheltered our savior from the same kind of scrutiny when him and his family traveled to Egypt to escape the persecution that was happening from Herod in Egypt. That there's something about when we stand and begin to see what God is doing in another generation, in another place. But it can be very hard to see outside of our day-to-day stuff, out of our day-to-day need to buy paper towels. <laughs> it's like, oh no, the paper towels are running out. No, it's, the real anxiety is from toilet paper. It's just like... It's like immediately what everybody went to in the pandemic. Folks was crazy over paper, over toilet paper, man. It's like that need to have these things and to continue our transactional existence. Can we get beyond our transactional existence of buying and selling and all the things that will not last at all? All the things that we've done, all the receipts that we have, all of the things that we, uh, you know what I'm saying, really agonize over. Should I buy this color car? I don't know. We agonize over those things. All of that will not be left in eternity. All of the things we spend so much energy on, we're so concerned with, will not be around when we are not around. But that, I think it's so beautiful as someone who lives this transactional existence uh, as of a Rahab being a harlot or being a prostitute could lift up her head and begin to see far, so far that she saw Jesus entering the earth. So much so that God places Rahab in the line of Jesus. What? That's insane. Why would God continue to use not just normal people, but people who will be considered to be the dregs of society to confirm and affirm his line and God's promise to bring Jesus upon the earth. It is as if he wanted to show that it was not by man's power, but it was only by his power. And I say, why not us being placed in a line of what God is doing on this earth? 
All of us has our, we have our millions and thousands of moments of feeling unworthy. And God has not chosen us because we are worthy. He's chosen us because he is worthy. Jesus is worthy. It's as if we stand with him. You know what I'm saying? You ever been trying to get in a club or something and you stand close enough to somebody and you just kind of like get in, you know? (laughs) Not saying anybody in here has ever been to a club or exclusive bar or anything like that. Rooftop rooftop bar in Chicago, maybe that is. You like stand close enough to somebody and they just like, yeah, come on in. This is Jesus stepping into eternity in this story that he is writing with us and inviting us into. But it's almost like he has to get our attention off of our transactional things that we are doing that will only exist in the moment that they exist. They have no eternal material that they're made of. That we can step into a place where what we do is recorded because all we, only what we do for Christ will last. I love this verse in Hebrews. All these people who are being mentioned in Hebrews as beautiful and wonderful and people of faith who have made these decisions for eternity. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. And she's mentioned among the titans of faith in scripture because simply she hid the spies. She began to see into eternity when all her whole life was just transaction. It is we have to really understand when eternity is breaking into our daily life. We have to understand when God has given us a glimpse of a promise or a way, an opportunity to walk into a promise. We have to see when that happens in our daily life. Because all this stuff down here is awesome and amazing. But only what you do for Christ will last. Nothing will be left of all the things that have made us, made us ancient, anxious and made us lose peace. Nothing will be left. All that will be left is what we did to join this story with Jesus. And he's always inviting us away. Inviting us away. And sometimes people come. That we have to be willing to risk in faith for what God has put on our hearts. We have to be willing to risk. We have to be willing to walk in a different way. We have to be willing to, like, confront darkness. This sobering quote that I always hear, it says that if you haven't run into Satan recently, it may be because you belong to him. It makes me know that my posture is confrontation of darkness. That, that's the posture that I have. Not because of what I've done, because of what Christ has done. That God has created us to be, to quote the prophet Miley Cyrus, 
like a wrecking ball. <laughs> this is what he's created us to be, to dissipate darkness. Why is everything going on in this city? It's horrible. What's going on? We got a church on every corner and still things are going This is a spiritual battle that demands spiritual people that we can launch a number of programs. We can launch a number of initiatives. And that if we don't understand how to pray and seek after the Lord, the things we do will be for naught because this is a spiritual battle that's happening. The struggle, you know, the courage to be a woman who is in a lowly position in life, but have the courage to see the future and have the courage to see with vision. When you were in the midst of all this stuff, it's like, oh, man, I just, okay, I got to run over here and do this. I got to run over here and do that. I got to run over and do that. Oh, man, I forgot to pray. I feel bad about it. Okay, rinse and repeat. I forgot to do this. I forgot to do that. Okay, I forgot to pray again. Then let me rinse and repeat that. When God is like, I don't care about all the things that, that you think I do. I don't care how long you've been away. I would just like you to be back. I'm holding nothing against you. I got nothing for you. The prodigal son. Come on back. Wipe the clean, wipe the slate clean for yourself. That by faith even these walls of Jericho fell. I pray that we go from transactional existence to eternal concern. That we go from always pursuing all the things and being, you know what I'm saying, organizing our life well and all that, but still unable to recognize when eternity is broken into our lives and we need to turn aside to the burning bush. We need to take a moment to take it easy on ourselves and respond to the Lord, respond to what he's doing, because that's how we build a life that's greater than ourselves. Oh, God, you have taught me from my youth, and to this day I declare your wondrous works. Now also when I'm old and gray-headed, oh, God, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation your power to everyone who is to come. We learn from the last generation. We declare to the next generation. This is like my, one of my favorite 10 verses, Psalm 70 through 79. Favorite passages. Culminates here. Don't forsake. I still got stuff to do. Missio Day Humble Park still has things to do. We have power and strength to declare to the next generation. That's why we are still here. That God has still called us to thrive. God, do not forsake me. He has not forsaken us. Just by remembering that we are sheltering this promise 
that we will declare his strength to this generation and his power to everyone who is to come. You guys want to stand up? Put your hand over your eyes, not your heart. (laughs) Father, that you would open the eyes of our heart, that you would open our vision, that you would have us dream dreams and see visions like never before, God. We know you are mighty and you are doing wonderful things. Do not forsake us, God. We have some declaration to do. We have some power to See you perform through us, God. Your promises are assured. And we know that you are glorious and wondrous. And you will never leave us or forsake us. So open our eyes. Let us see through new lenses and see you as glorious and wonderful. We love you, Jesus. In your name.